Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Welcome, as always, to GM Shuffle. Thank you for all the support. Please do hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. Tons to talk about today because it is a great slate. The Monday Nighter, how do you top that? The Chiefs and the Ravens will discuss that. In particular, how the kickers will impact that game. Plus, too legit to quit. And other issues, including the rapid decline of Philadelphia Eagles as they've got a must-win game against Cincinnati Bengals. Both those teams 0-2. But we begin with Drew Brees. And it makes me think of Unforgiven, Mike, one of Clint Eastwood's best films. Of course, one best director back in 1992. And it was also starring in the film. This old gunslinger lured out of retirement. One last kills. But he's not the same guy he was. He's a little bit rough around the edges. And later in the movie, of course, he becomes a little sharper and takes out Sheriff Bill Daggett, but loses his morality in the process. Drew Drew Brees right now. People are wondering, is this his unforgiven moment? Of course, he's a future Hall of Famer. And you look at his numbers on Monday and you go, well, that's fine. 26 of 38, 312, one touchdown, passer rating of 91.1. But an ugly interception on a pass he later admitted to the forced. He was asked about any impacts of aging and said, no, I feel good. I feel good. Borderline great. But when you look at the numbers though, Mike, does it feel like father time is finally catching up with Drew Brees, who signed a two-year deal but could be done at the end of this year if he chooses to and then might go work with NBC? You know, when you watch him, and, and you know, I've had this happen to me in my career, you know, when Bernie Kosar couldn't play anymore and we all knew it because his arm strength really, you know, it wasn't that Bernie couldn't move around because he never could move around, right? It was Bernie's arm just had no juice in it. Plus, he really didn't want to get tackled anymore. His eye level had come right down. And when I watch Breeze, the field looks small when he's playing. You feel like there's no area of the field he's going to make a throw down the field. And so, okay, that's your visual, right? And that's just an opinion you gain from your visual. So let's go to the numbers, right? So last year, when he played, he missed some games because of the injury. You know, anytime he threw over 20 yards, over 20 yards, he only attempted 23 passes. Over 20 yards last year. He was 12 for 23 on throws between 21 and 30 yards. He was two for six on throws between 31 and 40 yards. And he only attempted three passes where the ball actually traveled 30 yards in the air. So basically, He's and everything else is between one and 10 and 11 and 20. One and 10 last year, he threw 233 passes behind the line, he threw 117. The ball traveled more than 10 yards only 97 times last year. Okay, so you know he's not throwing the ball down the field in 2019. So you go to now this year, he's got 68 attempts, 12 of them behind the line, 11 of them. 11 of them between 11 and 20. 
excuse me, 11 on between 1 and 10, 5 between 11 and 20, and then 2 between 20 and 30. And he's attempted none over 40. So he's seven of his seven of his 68 attempts have traveled over 10 yards. That's it. So what does that tell you as a coach? It tells you that if you're defending the vertical part of the field, he's probably not throwing it there. It's like saying you're going to go run out for a three-point shooter and I'm the fat guy shooting the three-pointer. I ain't going to make it. Why would you run out to me? Right? In basketball, we talk about spacing. We talk about spacing, but that's a great term that they use on television. But you only get spacing when the shooters can actually make the shots. You don't get spacing when they can't make shots. The middle of the field gets packed. That's what's happening to Drew Brees. He can't he can't control the outside quadrant of the field, down the field. And so now he's playing a game between 10 yards and 20 yards between the hash marks. And I think it's a real issue. At least for this season, I'm sure Sean Payton is obviously going to monitor it. Drew Brees is his quarterback. He's a star. But you're right. If he starts to see a noticeable decline and he's hurting the team, obviously you're going to make tough decisions. Every coach has to do that. About a month ago, Drew Brees was talking about the backup quarterbacks, referred to them as Tamus, which was a slip of the tongue. It's Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. But could we see a chance, Mike? Listen, Taysom Hill's a guy you can still throw in the game while Drew Brees is in there. But what do you think of the odds Winston or Taysom Hill has some meaningful reps this season? You know, when I watched it Monday night, I thought that Brees really lost his fastball. I thought he just couldn't drive the ball. And in the pocket closes on him, he can't drive it down the field. And I think the Raiders, once they realize that, they set their defense accordingly. And then he really couldn't make any plays. I think more and more teams are going to start to do that to him. And it's going to put the onus on Sean Payton because Sean Payton's got to develop run-after-catch plays. And it's hard to do because what happened with Brady in New England, everybody knew he wanted to throw the ball in the middle field. So they didn't defend the outside quadrant. So the field started to shrink on him, right? And so now I think everybody's going to do the same thing to Breeze. And I think at some point... If Breeze misses any time and Winston goes in there, the offense is going to look a lot different. I'm not saying Winston is better than Breeze, but this is what happens, A.D., with older players. They never think they're, they're, they're not the same player. They always think this. Remember the late, great Kobe Bryant at the end of his career, one of the reasons Phil Jackson left the Lakers is because he really didn't want to coach Kobe at the end. He felt it was going to be too hard to get Kobe to understand his limitations at the end. And that's a challenge. And that's where Sean Payton is. And I got to think that locker room, which is not exactly all on the same page politically, socially, right, that this is going to spread and create more problems within their place because the defense is getting the defense will get exposed. It's all cause and effect. I think Sean's got a real tough handle. He's going to have to make some hard decisions. Now, he's everybody's going to say nothing's wrong with Drew. But look, you don't have to be a nuclear scientist or a rocket scientist to know Drew can't throw the ball down the field, nor will he. Now, if he can beat you throwing short, then it's your own fault. But you're going to have to figure he's going to have to. I mean, Green Bay, you're going to Green Bay is going to have to say, Drew, throw the ball outside. Throw it outside. Hold it and throw it. Will you do that? I don't think so.
Interesting dilemma to watch bearing forward. His 20th season, like he said, always gets tricky for great players nearing the end. How about a couple players in their prime? The matchup of the year, Chiefs and Ravens, a battle between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Mahomes was the MVP in 2018. Lamar Jackson, the MVP in 2019. You got John Harbaugh facing his former mentor and Andy Reid, a clash between a couple of 2020 first-round picks from LSU, Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. But how about the battle of the kickers. Justin Tucker, who I love, because it was that great profile in real sports, but the fact he's this unbelievable opera singer, in addition to being one of the great kickers of our time. And then you got Harrison Butker. These are the only two kickers since 1938 with career field goal percentages above 90%. Butker has made 101 field goals since entering the NFL in 2017. And Tucker is the greatest kicker in NFL history when it comes specifically to extra points. Everyone's going to be focusing on this game, Mike, Mahomes and Jackson. But how about the kickers? How critical they're going to be. I think it's the game. I mean, nobody, everybody's going to say, oh, Lombardi, you're foolish. I think it's the game. I mean, I think their impact is h- how you call plays, right? So if you're in that gray area, right, and you and you think you want to try, Tucker wants to try a 58-yarder or Bucker's going to try a 58-yarder, A, it's going to be nighttime in Baltimore. The air is going to be a little heavier than it was the other day in Los Angeles, it may not travel as far, but I think now, I think you have to really be concerned because if if you give the ball up, you know you're giving up a field goal because the other guy probably can make it from two first downs and he can make it. So part of your plan is if I were on either side of the aisle in this game, I would be really looking hard at what my fourth down package is. You know, how many times am I going to go for it on fourth down? And if I can go for it on fourth down as opposed to – because, look, I don't think field position matters for either team. Both teams can move the ball fairly quickly. Both teams have moved the ball fairly quickly. But controlling the ball is going to be more important than anything. People say all the time, you know, what's the key What's the key to controlling playing great defense? Well, the, the, the way to play great defense is don't play defense right? The number one team in the National Football League so far this year are the Green Bay Packers. They've averaged in two games playing 22 minutes of defense. You want to know why their defense is playing good? They play 22 minutes of defense. You want to know why Minnesota's defense stinks? They've played almost 40 minutes of defense in both games, right? You want to know why Dallas isn't very good or the Jets? They're all over 34 minutes of defense, Las Vegas, you talk about the Raiders now. John Gruden's done a great job. Gruden is fifth in the National Football League in offensive offensive time of possession, 26-35. His bad defense is only is not out there. Is not out there. His defense is only out there for 26 minutes. His offense is controlling the ball for 34 36 minutes. I mean, excuse me, 34 minutes. That's why they're winning. Once those numbers shift, once the Raider defense has to play has to play 30 minutes, then watch the Raiders start losing games because they're not good enough. It's the same thing with these kickers. If you give up field position because this guy misses a 58-yarder, they're gonna the next the other guy's gonna make it. And so you've got to set your game plan up accordingly to these two kickers. So from the 40 to the 40, 
It's got to be a really, if I'm Andy Reid or if I'm John Harbaugh, that 40 to the 40 area of the field, you've got to have a unique game plan for. And this goes back to what you were saying a week ago. In some ways, you'd rather have a kicker who's not great from distance. Just get a guy who from 40, and I trust him, I know he's reliable, rather than a guy like Butker who can hit a 58-yarder because sometimes it alters your game plan. You say, okay, maybe I'm less willing to go for it on fourth and short because I think I can get three points with this crazy long field goal. But then, of course, he misses it. Then there's a whole field a field position battle. So it does get tricky as well. No doubt. I mean, look, there's been 22 50-yard plus field goals attempted. 10 of them have been made. They're 10 for 22. And, you know, the, the Chiefs are the, one of the few teams in the league, along with Las Vegas, that have made two, that have made both 50-yard. But what are the chances of that continuing? What are the chances of that continuing? Probably not very good. I mean, between the 40s, 30 of 37 have been made. I mean, Tennessee's one for four between the 40s right? Atlanta is four for four. So what you want to be able to do is control it. But I think this, I think because both teams are so good offensively that even settling the the making of the three points on a 55 plus yard field goal, wouldn't you be better off going for it on fourth than one than trying to settle for that? I think that's the decision. I think that's the strategy. That's the chess match. That even though you think I can get three, like we talked about last week, Anthony Lynn, oh great, Anthony, go ahead. Third and you know, kick that kick that field goal. But you you basically told yourself you were going to get a tie game. Because the other guy can hit a rocket from 58 yards. So, like, how do you manage the game? And I think with both kickers being able to kick, everybody says, well, that you know, you can make field goals. No, field goals aren't going to beat the Chiefs. Field goals aren't going to beat the Ravens. You got to score touchdowns. I think it brings fourth down into play tremendously. We'll see what happens with regards to a huge match of Chiefs-Ravens once again on Monday night. We'll get to picks in just a second, but just one thought here on some 0-2 teams out of the gate. By the way, you can always follow Mike on Twitter, M. Lombardi NFL on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me, Adnan S. Verk, and you all follow our show's Instagram page at the GM Shuffle. There's a bunch of teams that are 2-0, Mike, that I'm not buying. I'm not buying MVP Mitch and the Bears at 2-0. I still need to see more from the Bills because their opposition's been poor. I'm not really buying the Raiders yet at 2-0. But the 0-2 teams, we're going to call this to Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. These are teams that you can already discount. If you go back to 1990, only 12% of teams that start 0-2, actually make the playoffs. So of the following 11 teams, which ones are you already going to discount and say, good luck, you're not making the playoffs, enjoy the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Here are the teams. The Falcons, the Panthers, the Lions, the Vikings, the Eagles, the Giants, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Broncos, the Bengals, the Texans. If I were a betting man, I'd put money on the Jets. I would put money on the Jets. I think the Jets' culture is not very good. I think there's a lot of unhappy people within the Jets uh, on their team. I think there's a doubt about their head coach, Adam Gase, whether he's really good enough. I think Joe Judd, Joe Douglas walked into a really hard situation. Got the New York media. He's got a really bad football team. He's got a quarterback that he's not sure whether the guy's a legitimate player. I'm not sure whether he's a legitimate starter. He's got a defensive coordinator who's never seen a press conference he didn't like. You know, and so he's got a lot of moving pieces within his team that I don't think that he can fix. And and partly because this organization has never bought into the idea we're just gonna outculture the Patriots, right? Say what you want about Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo's whole mantra has been we're gonna we're gonna build a culture here. McDermott and Bean, they're gonna build a culture. 
you know, you know how I am with Josh Allen and where I think they're going to end up, even though he's played really well in two weeks, he's got to continue to prove he can play fast and accurate. But the reality of it is, is they have a culture. You could say what you want about Miami. I think Flores will give them a culture. The Jets, no culture, you know? And so for me, I think the Jets now, I also think, I don't know where Denver is because Denver, you know, will always play good defense because of Vic. But now they're going to Driscoll. Locke's going to be out three to five weeks. You know, they lose Cortland Sutton. I mean, really, if you were John Elway, wouldn't you be better off basically instead of signing Blake Bortles, not that he can't help you lose because he certainly is qualified in that category. But, I mean, wouldn't you just say, okay, I'm all in on Trevor Lawrence? Like, seriously. We're, you know, if I get Trevor Lawrence, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm John Elway. I'm a Hall of Famer. Nobody questions anything I do. I got complete autonomy within the organization. Wouldn't I be better off if I'm ever going to beat Patrick Mahomes to just tear this shit down? Basically tell Vic you're playing 10 every week. Look, only put 10 guys on the field, Vic. I know that they won't call, you know, just put 10. We'll play with 10 on every play. Like, seriously, like, why wouldn't you, if Denver, like, if I'm Denver, if I'm Elway, I mean, I don't, I know I got, I have a, I have an average team. And I have a chance to get a generational quarterback like myself. Why wouldn't I just tear this thing down? Why wouldn't I just start after I went 0-2, start trading all my older players? You know, anybody who's over 30, you know, you want them good. Go ahead. Uh, you know, who do you want? I'm selling. Isn't that the smarter play? Well, one would think. When you look at the Broncos and quarterbacks, I go back to the tweet you sent October 17th, 2016. Lufthansa heist an estimated 5.875 million. 21.3 million today was stolen. Osweiler was paid way more, way more. Broncos are their quarterbacks. Yikes. I mean, think about it, right? Like, isn't wouldn't you like if if I were if I were the president of the Broncos, this is the conversation I would be having. And you could say, well, Vic's not going to go for it. I don't really care what Vic's going to go for, because the franchise is more important than Vic. The franchise is the most important thing we have. The uniform is the most important thing we have. Like, why wouldn't we? We have to beat Patrick Mahomes. The Raiders, nice story. They're never going to beat Patrick Mahomes with that defense. They're never, even if they control the ball 34 minutes against the Chiefs, in 26 minutes, the Chiefs will put 40 points on them. It won't matter. Until they get better on defense, it's not going to matter. The Chargers, nice story. They're not going to beat the Chiefs. How are we going to beat this guy? We're going to beat this guy. We got to get a blue chip quarterback. I mean, you passed one up. If you would have, if John Elway would have signed Cam Newton this offseason, he would have had his guy. But he just he put all his chips in in Locke, and he and, and Locke may prove to be good. He may prove to be good. He looks good right now, but he's never going to be great. He's never going to be great. He's going to be good. You got a chance to get Trevor Lawrence. If I'm Denver, I'm like okay. That's it. We're done. You know, who do you want on our team that's young? You can have them. Draft picks, just give me more. And then I got Trevor Lawrence at the end. Trevor Lawrence ain't going to turn down Denver. You're a John Elway. You're the Hall of Famer. You know, you come out there. Hey, look, we only have Hall of Fame quarterbacks. We have me, we have Peyton Manning, and now we're going to have you. Bears watching. Denver and the Jets, perhaps the Trevor Lawrence Sweet Six. I like both those teams as contenders. Stay tuned. After the break, Mike gives us picks. You want some money? We'll get you some money. Giving us picks for week three of football, key matchup, Cowboys and Seahawks. Plus, what the hell's happened to the Philadelphia Eagles since winning the Super Bowl? That's next. 
The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds, and so much more. As the first round continues on, you can bet sides, totals, player props, everything at your disposal over on DraftKings. All you have to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHUFFLE. New customers bet 5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SHUFFLE only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino. Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. Last week, Mike was 2-1 and one against the spread to start the season. Mike, how was your record for week two of football? 2-1. and one. You know, I screwed up. Now, now, let me get a little background here. So I, I use a statistical-based power ranking system, and I try to take – I have a master sheet that I input by hand. I go over – you know, I grade the coaching staffs. I grade – I use a, a quarterback ranking. I use ESPN's QBR for the overall, not for the week, and because I want to take bias out of it. I mean, I don't want to put Mitchell Trubisky at 33 at quarterback – even because I think he is, when if he had a good week, I got to give it to him, right? So then, you know, I go through turnovers. I go through field goal misses, how your opponents basically miss field goals against you, right? Sometimes you're just fortunate, right? The guys, they're, they're, but they add to your turnover takeaway, home field, the two-minute. And then I have a bunch of other categories that I go through, and I eventually come up with a point total. And the guy, Isaac, who won the – uh, Westgate million dollar. He uses a similar system based on similar categories, and he comes up with a power ranking as well. I do too. So last week, and I, I, I'm getting in a long story here, but last week I went through and I finally had data because I had one game so I could come up. But even I didn't trust my numbers, but I only had one game. So last week, week two, you know, I had Cincinnati. So then I come out. So what I do is I grab, I power rank the teams by number. Then I take their numbers and pit them against one another. And I come up with a line. Okay. So, and I have a numerical way to break down the line. So if this many points equals this. So anyway, so last week, Cincinnati's playing Cleveland. I thought the line should have been four. That's why I like Cleveland. That's why I like Cincy last week. Uh, I I I know. Excuse me. That's why I should have went with Cincy last week. I ended up thinking Cleveland was going to cover. I thought they were the better team. Ended up what happened? If you took Cle- if you took Cincy and the and the and the six that they were giving you, you won. So I went through it. So now I can go back and like anything we do. If you don't admit your mistakes or reevaluate the information, then you're just going to make more mistakes, right? So I went through and last week I would have been if I just would have played my numbers. And not done anything, I would have been 12 and four. But again, I didn't listen to myself. The Rams should have been favored against the Eagles. They weren't. I went the other way and I got killed. 
right? Jacksonville should have just been a two-point favorite, a dog against Tennessee, and they were nine in that contest, and then the game ended up being three points. And all this is documented. Like, I'm not making this up. So I'm just like, you know, like like Las Vegas against New Orleans, that line should have been three. It ended up being five. You know, and so now I lost New England. I thought that was a pick em game. It ended up being a five-point game. I thought Arizona was a two-point favorite. It ended up being a – they killed them. So there's going to be some that, like, I'm not right on Minnesota. Their numbers are deceiving. I'm not right on Washington. Their numbers are deceiving. But pretty much everybody else, I think my numbers are right. So this week, that's how I've come to my numbers. So this week, I go into it. I put my line, like tonight, Jacksonville plays Miami. My line's a pick em. My line should be a pick em. So if Miami's going to get two and a half or three, I would be on Miami. Now, what I try to do is when I give out three picks, unlike Vegas Dave, I don't give three to you guys and to give three on Visa. I try to be consistent and give the same three so everybody knows. So today I'll pick two, and then on the weekend, on Saturday, I'll figure out what my third game is, and I'll post it on Twitter. But So that's how I come up with it. And what I try to do is balance the tape of watching the tape and and my numbers and not just make it all, because I think some of these numbers can be wrong. With that as background, Bengals and the Eagles, both teams 0-2, as you wrote from the GM's eye. Carson Wentz needs to improve, but also needs much better talent around him. How about this number? I didn't realize this. The Eagles spared no expense in helping head coach Doug Peterson build his offensive staff as they have 12 assistants on offense alone. But as you wrote, there's just not enough talent around him. Jeffrey's been injured, not the same player he was in 2017. Deshaun Jackson returned to Philadelphia at age 33. He does not have the skills to make as many explosive plays as in the past. This is a must win here. The Eagles are 0-2. The Bengals are 0-2. You spoke about the Eagles postgame and guys with 17 legal pads. Is Philadelphia going to win this game? Well, I mean, look, would you have, can you imagine having 12 people on your offensive staff? That's insane. I mean, Eisenhower had less people when they planned the Normandy invasion. I mean, think about it. I mean, they got 12 people on the offensive coaches. That Marty Mortingwig's over there. You know, I mean, like, seriously. I mean, like, I'm not picking this game. But all I will say is when I power rank both teams, Cincinnati's numbers on my rankings is higher. Is, is Cincinnati's a better team numerically than Philadelphia based on first two weeks? For, based on that, Cincinnati is slightly better than Philadelphia. I'm not saying by a lot, slightly better. Now, you know, some people might have it slightly more, but this line's at six. So if you like, even if you don't agree, if you think Cincy and Philly are close, the line's six. You you almost have to. Now, I'm not telling you to take Cincy because I don't buy it. I think this is one of those where I think the numbers are a little skewed, but that's that's the way the numbers tell you. But Philly's got a bigger issue. Wentz is 14 and 16 as a starter since he's come back from his knee. They have no identity on offense. Like, you don't go to the stadium and say, what do you have to do? They got a boatload of injuries on offense. Their defensive front, which I thought was going to be the strength, didn't play nearly. Now, it should dominate a bad Cincinnati line, but I don't trust Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati can throw the ball on people, and I think they have some skill. Look, A.J. Green has been majorly disappointing for them. I mean, they paid a boatload of money and have gotten nothing back for it. I mean, what did they pay? They paid $18 million on the franchise tag, and I think he has like eight catches. Can you imagine that? Two games, he's got eight catches, and you're paying him $18 million. You're paying him over a million a game for eight catches. You ain't getting your money's worth out of that bad boy. So, you know, that that's the problem. So, 
But I think you have to, at some point, when I get to week four or week three of the season when all the data is in, I'm just going strictly by the numbers. Can't even imagine what's going to happen if Philadelphia Eagles lose that game. Let's move on. Could you imagine? Oh, Mike, the, 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 the passion, the rage. I mean, that that post-game show, you'll have to do like a live Twitter or whatever it's saying on that post-game show. Oh, I'm t- if, if they lose, I'm taping that post-game show. We're going to have to play a clip because it'll be, I mean, Ray will go through 75 legal pads in that, in that show right there. <laughs> the, and I bet Ray... You know, and Ray's one of the nicest human beings you could ever meet in your life. Great writer for the Daily News. I used to read him as a kid in the Daily News. Tremendous. Works at it. I mean, I'm only making fun of the legal pads because he really works at it, you know? And I bet he's got the best, the best Catholic school penmanship you could possibly ever have. I could just see it. Like, you know, he was a kid who went to Philly Catholic schools. His penmanship must be a Unbelievable. Not like my scratch that I write here. <laughs> we go to the Cowboys and the Seahawks. Dallas at one and one. The Seahawks are two and oh. The Cowboys could have been 0 and two, but they had that breathtaking comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. Russell Wilson, MVP right now, the league, as he looked great. The Seahawks beat the Patriots in week two. Who do you got? Cowboys and Seahawks. Good matchup. Uh, th- this is going to be one of my plays. I'm going to take the Cowboys and the five. I get five points. I like it because it's more than a field goal. My numbers. When I power rank both these teams, I, I had this game should have been a two and a half point favorite. Seattle should have been just a shade under a field goal. I'm going to get five. I'm going to take Dallas here. And I think it's interesting. And it also fits another profile I always like to bet for is teams that have low ticket count, but high money. So Dallas of the thousand tickets that have been turned in already for this game, Dallas only has 29% of the tickets. However, Dallas has 90% of the money. So what's that telling you? That line should, should that line is where they think it's really great value. And so there's a lot of money coming in on Dallas. The line started at four. It immediately went to five. And now we're going to see it. It's going to go back to four and a half. And I think by game time, it'll be three and a half. Okay, that's the line there. Three and a half could be interesting. You're right. Let's see if there's movement there. How about the Bears and the Falcons, Mike? Now, no one's trusting the Bears at 2-0. I don't think even Bears fans trust the fact that MVP, Mitch, and company are 2-0. The Lions should have beat them. They should be 1-1. One one. But Bears 2-0 against a Falcons team. Again, they shouldn't have pissed away the lead against the Cowboys, but here we are. They're 0-2. Who do you like in this matchup? Bears at Atlanta. Well, I, I think this is that Dan, Dan Quinn's got to do something here. Now, my numbers say, my numbers on this game, tell me that Atlanta, it's really a pick game, right? And Atlanta's given up three. I think these are two evenly matched teams, but I think Atlanta's played two better teams than Chicago has. So I'm going to go off my, I'm going to go a little bit off my numbers. I'm going to take Atlanta and give Chicago points. I, I think Atlanta can move the ball on anybody. I think Atlanta's got to put together a good game. I think they'll bounce back from how bad they look. They've got some really good skill players. I just don't trust MVP Mitch to win the game on the road and beat a good team. You know, they've been fortunate. I mean, Chicago could easily be 0-2 in this game. If Swift makes a catch, Jones is throwing the ball in the end zone. I'm gonna go with my numbers. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Atlanta here. Okay, one more game to discuss. That's the 49ers at the Giants. The 49ers now at one and one. The Giants at 0-2. As mentioned earlier, the state of New York football is terrible, but the Niners have a host of injuries. In case you missed what happened, God, the turf at MetLife, a disaster. I mean, everybody would be a mess if you had to even walk on that field. Jimmy G is questionable, did not take part in practice Wednesday, so could be Mullins as the quarterback. Kittle is questionable. The big news, of course, is Bosa is done. 
Uh, Tevin Coleman is also doubtful. Raheem Mostert is doubtful. A beat-up 49ers team, Mike, against the New York football Giants. I think that uh, I think the Giants are not a good team either. And I, I'm not playing this game. This line, this line should be the Giants should be nine-point dogs for me. And yet the line is four. So that's easily, right? Take the 49ers, except I don't know the health of the 49ers. And then I think you got to be careful. They stayed in West Virginia. They didn't fly back to the West Coast. They stayed at the great resort in Greenbrier, which I'm telling you, if you ever have an opportunity and you're listening to this pod, go to the Greenbrier. Nice. It's in West Virginia. Yeah, I know it's in the middle of nowhere, but they've got that bunker there where the U.S. Congress would have gone had we had nuclear nuclear war here in America. It's, it's fascinating to look at. You tour the building. An incredible property. But anyway, so... You know, I'm not playing this one. I lean, I would lean towards taking San Francisco because I think the Giants, they're 12 and 39 since the boat trip. I think the Giants, everybody talks about how great of a run organization they are. I mean, you can't find it. I mean, John Mara, God love him, but he, I don't think he understands how to build a winning football team. You know, Daniel Jones plays great when he's got time. When it speeds up, it's not very good for him. They lose Barkley. Their defense, I think, is really bad. So I haven't decided on my third game yet. I'm, I'm, I'm on a couple games that I'm looking at. Green Bay, New Orleans is one I'm tracking, you know, that I, I really think I feel like that one's tracking. Uh, I, you know, uh, the Rams and Buffalo is another one I'm tracking. And so Arizona and, and Detroit. So pay attention to Twitter right now. I like I like this one a lot. I like Dallas a lot because I'm getting five. And I like Atlanta, and I'll lay the three. All right, Cowboys and Falcons for now. And like you said, pay attention to M. Lombardi NFL on Twitter. Coming up next, we open up the GM Shuffle mailbag. Answer a question about strategies, by the way, for betting games. And a quick thought on Thursday Night Football. That's next. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. As always, you can email us your questions, the GM shuffle at gmail.com. I got this one, in fact, from somebody who slid into my DMs. Maybe it was R. Christensen, maybe it was Robbie, it was Rich. Can't totally remember, but I can tell you this. This was his question on the GM shuffle. Lombardi always talks about paying attention to what percentage of bets versus percentage of money are being placed on certain teams. I'd like to increase my win percentage this year, so I'm curious, where is this information available? Is this something you guys can elaborate on? It's available through this, uh, I think it's called Action Sports Insight. It's a monthly uh, fee you've got to pay. Uh, I get it through VEASAN because I do Vegas stats and information on Sirius 204. I do it there. I've learned a lot. I don't bet. As everybody that listens to the pod, I don't bet. I've never bet. Uh, I, but I handicap because that's really what I did in the National Football League. When you're the pro personnel director, you, you're a handicapper. You look at teams, you evaluate teams, you put positives and negatives. And then when the games are being played, you're able to say, hey, that team's, they're kicked their ass because they got the blah, blah, blah. So for me, it's like this part of my gigs is really like returning to my roots as a pro personnel director. And I use, and, and to watch the money flow, like for example, 
Last week, there was a shitload of money coming in on Sunday morning on Atlanta. Like it was so obvious that line against Dallas was at six. And all of a sudden, that line was coming all the way down below the three line. And it was something was telling you, but following the money is so critical in betting. Like I'll give you the perfect example Tennessee, Minnesota this week. Now, on my power rankings, on my power rankings, Tennessee should be a seven and a half point favorite against Minnesota, right? They're playing on the road. It doesn't matter. Tennessee opens up a point and a half. It immediately goes to two and a half and it doesn't move. It goes to two and a half and it doesn't move. And yet 99% of the money that has been taken in is on Tennessee. Now, why aren't they moving that line? Why aren't they moving it to three, three and a half? Because they know Minnesota people will take that number once it gets over three and a half. So Vegas is telling you, the boys who do this are telling you it's going to be a field goal game. Now, they might be wrong, and sometimes they are. But for me, I think it's a seven-and-a-half-point game. So I'm suspicious. Like, I would have thought Tennessee would have been at least a three-point favorite to open up with, and they're not. But that's where following the money really allows you to get an understanding of where the public is. You don't want to be with the public. What you really want to be is on the side of the book. You want to be where the money is flowing. Forget the ticket count. Ticket counts are meaningless because some of those ticket counts are just fans, right? Like the, the Raider game this weekend, right now on Thursday at 2.30, right? The Raider game, or 2 o'clock, the Raider game has got a 50-50 split on tickets. But the Patriots have 74% of the money and the line's at 6 Right? It may go to six and a half, but it's never going to seven because that will get all the Raider money come in on it. So what, what you have to do as a fan is understand that play, the, the, the guys who do this for a living, they play numbers. They don't play teams. They just play numbers. Speaking of the numbers, you mentioned earlier a little bit, Mike, Thursday night football, Dolphins at 0-2 against the Jaguars at 1-1. It's not exactly an appetizing matchup, but people in Florida are going to be fired up. What are you looking forward to in this one? Well, I, I'm looking for Miami to play better defensively. I mean, they play too much man-to-man. Their corners are exhausted, you know, and they, you can't hold up. I mean, you can't play man-to-man for four quarters of the National Football League unless you're, you've got a 4 by 100 t- t- team. I mean, you just can't do it. The, the corners get tired. You know, a receiver runs a nine route. He taps himself out. The corner's got to go back and cover the next play. And, and you could see it in the, in the fourth quarter of the Buffalo game. Diggs is fresh. All the corners on Miami are exhausted. And, and Allen made all the throws he needed to make. I, I like Miami. I think Miami's a little better than Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's fortunate to have won the opening weekend. I thought Tennessee was much better than they were in that game. And yet it was a closer game at the end, and Minshaw got the ball tipped. So I'm gonna t- I would recommend Miami and take the points. Again, I'm not it's not one of my picks. I've got two picks so far for the record. I like Atlanta and I like Dallas. All right, those are the picks for now. And just as a closing thought, last week, and I meant to mention this to you, 30th anniversary of Goodfellas being released. Think about that. September of 1990, one of the greatest mob films of all time. Scorsese re-teams with Robert De Niro. Joe Pesci wins an Oscar. Ray Liotta, unforgettable as Henry Hill. Maury's wigs never come off, even underwater. I've probably seen Goodfellas, Mike, more than any movie I've ever seen before. I saw it when I was 12 and fell in love with not only the movie and the whole style of mob life, but just the filmmaking. It's so seductive the way that 
that Scorsese shoots it, that whole mob lifestyle. And of course, based on a great book, Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi, 30 years later, it's still an incredible film, right? No doubt. I mean, and, and Nicholas Pileggi, was, wasn't he, he married to Nora Ephron? That's right. And Nora Ephron got all these stories about the fact he's working with Henry Hill. She did a movie called My Blue Heaven with Steve Martin and Rick Moranis, which is about a wise guy in federal protection, but it's meant to be a comedy. But it's because her husband was talking to Henry Hill all the time. That's how she got the idea. Uh, and what a great writer she was. I mean, she was remarkable. And so, yeah, I, I mean, like I could watch Goodfellas Anytime, especially when they t- poor, poor when they take Larry Boy and they bust out his thing. Remember Larry Boy from The Sopranos? <laughs> He's the club owner. I love looking at all the Sopranos actors that are in it. It's so good. Oh yeah, Tony Darrow is the guy who actually plays uh, <laughs> plays that. His sonny is his name in Goodfellas, Larry Boy Barisi in Sopranos. He's actually now 70 years old. He actually got arrested. I didn't realize this. He was an associate of the Gambino crime family and you know got somebody to kind of rough up a guy. So he actually got arrested for extortion. He served six months of house arrest. I had to do a PSA called Don't Be a Wise Guy. How about that? I love it. I love it. Don't be a wise guy. It's the best. I, I, I mean, <laughs> it, it is truly true. And you feel like, you know, you feel like you're in that era. Speaking of the era, I'm Millie and I are watching Nurse uh, the Ratchet. Have you seen this on Netflix yet? I haven't. Somebody mentioned it to me. My wife goes, Nurse Ratchet. I go, yeah, I know. Louise Fletcher, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. She goes, no, no, no. Nurse Ratchet, a new show. I'm like, what? What is this about? It's set in the 40s, 50s in Monterey, kind of like Big Sur. Great scenery, a little strange, entertaining though. I mean, I would recommend it. I'm, I'm looking forward to Fargo on Sunday. I've got yes. that tape, and I'm also looking forward to FX is putting out. Have you ever have you ever got into the Jeffrey McDonald case from from North Carolina? No, not familiar. with He's a Green Beret. This is back in the '60s. There was a book called uh, Blind Vision, I think, or Blind Faith by by the writer's dead. He used to write, he wrote at the Enquirer, uh, Joe, and I, his last name sca- escapes me. But anyway, Joe McGinnis. So uh, he wrote this book. So he goes to write a book to defend Jeffrey McDonald, who was a Green Beret army doctor that he alleged his wife, his pregnant wife and their two young children got ambushed a la Helter Skelter and, and they were killed and he was survived and he survived. Well, he goes to write the book and defend Jeffrey McDonald, but the more he sees the evidence, he's like, what are you kidding me? I'm going to write the book. You're guilty in this. So he flips on him. And so the book comes out. It's a huge bestseller. They end up convicting McDonald. He, he, he proclaims his innocence, you know, and finally he's been in jail now. So FX is revisiting the case. He claims it was Helter Skelter. They kind of copied the Manson killings. It's, it's, it's a fascinating case. It's one of those that have really, McDonald screams he's innocent. He's been in jail for most of his life. Yet everybody's blood in the family, they had different blood types all over the house, which made it really hard to figure out whose blood was where and who could, conv- and the DNA wasn't in place at that time. So that's, I'm looking forward to that one as well. All right, good stuff there. How about this? Where else are you going to get football and also entertainment picks and literature to read? This is the GM Shuffle, folks. Tell all your friends, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Enjoy the football and enjoy Fargo, two episodes debuting on Sunday.
A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.